working again. Hopefully we're going to have them fixed by Sunday. Uh, amen. I want to preach a message called The Path to Restoration. I've got some pictures I've asked Albert to put up just to kind of show you where I'm going with this tonight. How many members Tony Chase, Pastor Chase? About a year ago, or no, probably five years ago, you get them pictures? About five years ago, he started restoring cars on his, uh, uh, just his time. He's got, uh, you know, he's off once a month as, a, as an evangelist, one week a month, and he'd get an old car, and he'd begin to work on it, and he'd just take his time, fix it up as he's home, and uh, this one, I've, I've seen him kind of all the way through. I want to show you this tonight, how he got it from the beginning. Where's that? Okay. So he calls a junkyard, and he says, hey, this is what I'm looking for. They said, we have it. Uh, so he had this truck loaded up, took to his house. Got a couple more pictures there, so you get a good shot of it. Uh, no prize there at all. Amen. Just a lot of, a lot of, looks like a lot of junk there. But, uh, okay, you can go ahead and take them off. Don't show that one yet. Amen. So anyway, he gets them. Um, all beat up right out of the junkyard. And so I'm going somewhere with that. Romans 12, 1 and 2. So I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Somebody say reasonable. God's not unreasonable tonight. Can you say amen? When he tells us to do something in the Bible, it's because we can do it and we must do it, amen, if we're going to be a Christian tonight. Be not conformed to this world, uh, amen, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may uh, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name tonight, I'm asking you for favor. Dominion, God, speak to us. I pray, breathe upon us tonight. Give us dominion in life. Uh, God, that we can live life, God, in victory. God, that we can glorify your name in all that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, the path to restoration. You know, to be honest, uh, we come to the kingdom pretty messed up, don't we? Like this old truck, amen, rust-covered and dented. That's how most of us come in. Uh, we come to the kingdom of God lacking things. Again, like this old truck, it didn't have a motor. There's no interior, amen. There's no uh, brakes. We come to the kingdom of God lacking vital things that we need to operate in life and in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Paul's speaking to the Corinthian church uh, about how they come in the kingdom of God. If we're not careful after we're saved a year, two, three years, five years, we forget how we came in. Uh, we forget, we think we were a little better than what we were, but, and so Paul's reminding uh, the Corinthians how they came in the kingdom of God. He says this in verse 9, uh, some of you were fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, materialistic or greedy, uh, drunkards, abusive, and extortioners. So he's reminding them how they came in the kingdom of God. Uh, kind of like that truck looked really rough. Uh, uh, so God didn't get a, a finished package here. God got the rough look. Can you say amen? But God doesn't leave us as we came in. It goes on to say in verse 10, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. So God takes us, amen, and starts a path to, of restoration in our life, amen, takes us and little by little, amen, uh, begins to restore our life and help us in life. You know, we come to the kingdom of God like Mark Clay. 
That word marred means disfigured and impaired spiritually. Uh, when we came in, if our life was opened up, we would have been impaired. Folks would have said, man, you got some deep internal problems. There's some disfiguring uh, going on spiritually, but by His grace and mercy, He begins to work, restore, uh, and make something valuable out of our lives. Jeremiah 18.1 The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my word. Then I went down to the potter's house, and listen to what he says. There, was, there he was, making something at the wheel, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred, uh, or impaired and disfigured. God's given us a picture of how we come into the kingdom of God, what He gets in His hands when uh, we get saved, amen. So God first gets us, we're marred, impaired, uh, uh, amen. But it said, it goes on to say, so He made it again to another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. So God's restored tonight. Uh, God takes the rough, amen, again, the rusted, the dented, the impaired, uh, the lacking, amen, God begins to work uh, this thing called the path of restoration. Uh, Second uh, uh, Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. So there's hope for every soul that comes through our doors. I don't care what people look like when they first come in, uh, what we look like when we first came in, some people probably bit their fingers uh, and said, I don't know about that guy. I don't know about her. Um, uh, but there is hope for every one of us. First Samuel 16, 7. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Uh, uh, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So God knows the mess we're in, but when our hearts get right, uh, God can do everything else. Amen. God goes to work on our lives uh, Again, we may not look like much. Or we may not be very talented, very gifted. may not have life very together at all when we come in the kingdom of God. But God goes to work on this messed up body and begins to restore. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So when we come in the kingdom of God, again, we look like this old truck come out from the junkyard rough, uh, but when God gets done with us, uh, we're brand new people. We're restored. We do not, uh, if somebody would see us now, when they see us first come in, they say, that's a different person. But restoration doesn't come in a day. Philippians 1.6, being confident in this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until uh, the day of Jesus Christ. So we're on the path. Can you say Amen. We're on this path called restoration, God, every day that we're surrendered to Him, uh, every day uh, He's doing something different, amen, and down the road, uh, folks ain't going to be able to recognize who you are. So knowing this about God, knowing this heart of God, we come to the kingdom of God messed up, uh, but He has a willingness to restore us, uh, the best thing we can do if we want to be fully restored is surrender. That's what Paul's talking about in our text, uh, if we would surrender to God, uh, this thing can go a lot quicker. Paul's plea for surrender in our text, I beseech you, brethren. Uh, that word beseech, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you. Uh, listen, surrender to God. Because it's in that surrender where God is actually able to, uh, you know, get in and, and get and restore and, 
and renew, but it's through a thing called surrender. He said, I beseech you, brother, by the mercy of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. We can't do that on our own. But as we surrender to God, uh, amen, God helps us and it becomes possible. Acts 9, Paul speaking to them of his own experience of surrender in verse 3. As Paul journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And so he trembling and astonished said, Here's the surrender. Lord, what do you want me to do? Listen, Paul took this religious, broken, hateful, violent man, turned him into a preacher. If you're have seen the Apostle Paul in the beginning, uh, think about Acts, the book of Acts, that he's there uh, condoning Stephen being stoned to death, holding the clothes. Uh, uh, other times he's dragging people out of the church and he's hate-filled. Uh, he hates the Christian, hates the church. Uh, but God takes this same man uh, and makes a preacher out of him. How is that possible? Because he surrendered to God. Uh, Lord, what do you want me to do? Uh, that is a heart of surrender. God, I'm all yours. What do you want me to do? And through surrender, God can begin to restore. So secondly, the call to change. God can't do it all. Or God won't do it all. Let me put it that way. Again, how we come into the kingdom of God is not the issue. We're all messed up. Even if you don't think you're messed up, you're messed up. Uh, uh, listen, God didn't get the better end of the deal. Trust me. But changing is the issue. Amen. So God has called you and I uh, here work with anything, but He's called you and I uh, to be engaged in this thing called change. Our text says surrender, or I beseech you. Uh, this all when you surrender always leads to change. That you present your body. A living sacrifice, holy except of which your reasonable service. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Once we surrender, things become easy. When we surrender, things become a lot uh, enjoyable. The change becomes enjoyable because we see the results. You know, after reading this text, the only conclusion that we can walk away with is uh, we can all change. And we all must change uh, as Christians. Uh, we're to represent the kingdom of God in righteousness, it says in holiness. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. As Christians, we're to prove, it says, what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So, as a Christian, there's a responsibility on you and I, uh, and this is going to call for change in our life. We can't just come in uh, and be like I was in the first couple of days. I have to change. I have to surrender, and I have to begin to I give my life over to godly things, and out of that, we begin to change. You know, in salvation, we enter a partnership. Let me say, in salvation, we enter into a partnership with God. He does His part. The cross, His blood, His word, His spirit, He's doing His part. We're called to do our part in this thing called relationship. It says, be not conformed or comply with this world's standards. How many of the world thinks different than a Christian does? What the world says is okay, uh, not necessarily God saying is okay. 
There's two different standards here. So Paul says, do not be conformed or, or comply with the standards. Uh, be transformed or make a dramatic change in the form, appearance, and character by renewing your mind. Uh, so he says, listen, don't live like the world, uh, uh, but uh, amen, uh, uh, change and engage your lifestyle that looks like a Christian. So how we think as a Christian... How the world thinks are totally different on many fronts. I'm going to mention a few of them to help us out tonight. One, morality. How many knows morality in the world uh, is totally different from morality in church? You know what? Me and Mona met, uh, 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 you know, uh, there was no standards. I mean, we had people say, hey, you shouldn't do this or that. But we're in the church. There's no standard. We got in a lot of trouble. Because the world says, you know, it's okay to touch. Well, so it's okay to lean against each other, kiss on each other, uh, touch each other, uh, and different things. And we did that, she ended up pregnant. I remember standing there by her, we was leaning against her car. She don't mind me telling the story. But we're leaning against her car one night, and I know she's pregnant. She knows she's pregnant. That's about it. And so we're leaning against her car, and we're talking to her mom, you know, and different things. And my wife looks at her mom. I have no idea what's going on here. Mom looks at her mom and says, like, mother like daughter. Everything changed at that moment. I'm like, what, what just happened here? I mean, I'm getting the evil look from her mother. Uh, how dare you touch my daughter? Yeah. I mean, all this. Uh, uh, she's telling her mom, hey, I'm pregnant. It's a bad moment for me. Mom said, I ain't taking the heat all myself. Hey, you did this. You're going to take the heat with me. But morality's different here. Uh, amen. That's why in church we say when you date, don't touch. Don't kiss. Amen. Because I know where that leads. When me and Mona first started holding the hands, we weren't thinking about Jesus. We weren't thinking about a Bible study. We were thinking about getting alone. And we did, and she got pregnant. 1 Peter 1.15, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That's God's standard. 2 Corinthians 6, and come out from among them, be separate, says the Lord. Uh, do not touch the unclean. Uh, uh, so uh, what we think morally, what the world thinks, what Christians think, totally different. Amen. So there's several things, amen, we got to do our part, engage in, in changing. So Paul's telling the, uh, the Roman church, listen, don't conform or live by the world's standards, uh, but be transformed and live by God's standards here. Two, marriage is different. You know, the world says shacking up's okay. Sex outside of marriage is okay. Adultery is okay as long as you get caught. I mean, you read old time the paper, uh, they're only sorry when they get caught. Uh, but the world's standard, hey, everybody does it. No, everybody don't do it. But in the world, that's the standard, amen, for marriage. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 27, you have heard... That was said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whosoever looks on a woman, talking about pornography here, amen, looks upon a woman to lust has already committed adultery. Pornography is wrong. I don't care what you say, how you slice it. Pornography is evil. It's lustful. Amen. At least uh, horrible things. Uh, uh, amen. And Jesus said, if you do this, uh, you commit adultery in your heart. Matter of fact, he goes a little further in verse 29. He said, if your right eye causes you to sin, 
Or if you have a lust problem, pluck it out or deal with the problem. And cast it from you, for it is more profitable or better uh, for you to, uh, to lose one member than to go to hell with your whole body. Jesus said, listen, that's how dangerous lust is. Uh, if you don't deal with it, it's going to take you to hell. If you don't seriously deal with lust, uh, uh, amen, pornography, looking at women, touching uh, each other, if you don't deal with that severely, it's going to end up taking you to hell one day. Jesus warns us, hoping that we will get the revelation here. So how the world thinks about morals, how the world thinks about marriage, uh, is totally opposite about the church. Amen. How the world thinks about money is different. The world says your money is yours to spend as you wish. You made it, go spend it. But Malachi 3, God says the tithe part's mine. That first part, the tithe, that Haggai 2.8 says the silver's mine, the gold is mine. Psalms 50, for every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hill, I know all the birds uh, of the mountains and the wild beasts, and they're all mine. God, God said, this is my world. I made it. I breathed everything. I've spoke everything. I'm allowing you to live. Uh, but listen, it's not yours. Matter of fact, Malachi says if you're tithing, or if you're not tithing, you're stealing from God. How many of us robbing a bank is wrong? Most of us would not go down uh, to uh, the bank and pull out a weapon and say, yeah, I, want my money. I want your money. Because we know, hey, listen, we're, we're going to probably go to, uh, probably gonna go to prison for that one. But how many rob God all the time? Because people think in their mind, God does, God's not going to ring no bells. God's not going to sound any alarms. Well, one day, uh, He will. Colossians 3, 5, put to death greed, uh, which is idolatry. Uh, amen. So how we think about money as a Christian, how we think about time. The world says live as uh, though time belongs to you. Whatever you want to do with your time, uh, live it, spend it. Uh, Ecclesiastes says in chapter 3, verse 1, there's a the time to be born, there's a the time to die. But how we live between the two uh, matters a great deal. How we spend our time reveals our heart tonight. God has given us years. We don't, not, none of us, when we were born, was given a contract, but, but God has given us years. The Bible says 70, 80. Uh, if over that, uh, just the grace of God. But uh, listen, how do you spend your time? If we're going to serve God and do His will, our time must be available to Him. Matthew 4.19, Jesus says to some men, Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Jesus was only able to work in their life, make them disciples because they surrendered their time to him. Uh, he meant they're not, if their time was not surrendered to him, uh, he could not use them. He could not disciple them. He could not impart things into them. But because they surrendered some time, uh, I uh, mean, he was able to do a work in their life. Let me ask you, are you changed? Think about the first day you came to church, the mess that you came in. Messed up, rusted, dented, lacking things. Uh, have you changed? Are you presenting your body a living sacrifice? Wholly acceptable to God? Is your mind transformed or at least being transformed? 
Are you proving what's a good, acceptable, perfect will of God? You know, excuses have become doctrine in the world today. Become a doctrine. Hey Amen. If you don't want to go to work, you just call and say you're sick. Come on. If you don't want to give, you say I'm broke. If you don't want to help, you say I'm busy. And it's become a doctrine. It's become, well, uh, it's, you know, excuses, you know, admit me, you know, drives me crazy. When it comes to our tech, there's no excuse here. Paul says your reasonable service in the kingdom of God is not being conformed to this world, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, proving what's good and acceptable, perfect will of God. He said that's reasonable. This word reasonable means uh, not extreme or excessive. Paul's saying, I'm not telling you to do anything beyond this to what you should do as a Christian. You know, as a Christian, we represent the kingdom of God. When you say, I'm saved, uh, I'm born again, I'm living for God, we're representing something much bigger than us. Uh, uh, We're representing God to the world. We're representing who Jesus is uh, uh, to the world. That should mean something to you and I. Paul is saying we can all do this, we must all do this, and God expects us to do this. God expects you and I to be transformed. God expects you and I not to be conformed to this world's standards, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of our so we can prove what the will of God is. God expects that. Look, lastly, being a testimony. It says, be not conformed to this world, be, but... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. This is not just for you, although it is for you, but it's your testimony to others. Amen. So when, when Paul's telling this uh, Roman church, listen, uh, I, this is what God expects from you, but listen, other people are watching you. Other people are seeing how you're living for God, decisions you're making, uh, uh, the impressions that you're making, your testimony to all the others. You know, testimony means firsthand evidence, a statement of declaration. You know, you may be the only man or woman of God that some people ever see. Let me ask you, what impression do you leave on them? You may be the only godly person they ever see in their life. You know, I was in Africa. I went to some villages that have never heard the gospel, never seen a white person in their life, and I was the only man of God they may ever see in their life. And I remember the weight of that, and uh, you know, you just don't want to make any mistakes. You want to present the gospel in a perfect manner. I know we're not perfect, but there's the weight on you and I. Uh, people are watching us on your jobs, your neighborhood, your community. Uh, amen. Your testimony, you're telling them who God is by the way you talk, by decisions you make, how you live life, how you traffic through life, amen. You're, you're presenting the gospel, you're presenting who God is, and you may be the only one they ever see. You know, when unsaved people see you living for God, they get convicted. I remember when I first got saved, I heard my testimony before, I worked with about 130 guys. These are just raw sinners. We partied every weekend. We all ran together. We did all... We did the mess together, but when I got saved, I come in Monday, a different man. I was no longer that crazy run around uh, guy. I, 
I, I at least gave my life to Jesus, and I began to change. They began to walk. Almost every one of them, 130 men over a couple of years' time, uh, all came to me at some point. Would you pray for me? Larry, I've seen God change you. I've seen God help you. You're no longer cussing. You're no longer running to clubs. You're no longer chasing women. You're no longer living like that. God's done a miracle in your life. And they wanted me to pray for them, pray for their, their wife, their family. Many of them came to the church, gave their life to Jesus. But it was because they seen somebody that had a testimony. You want to save people, see you living a proven Christian life, they're strengthened. When I see men and women that are really living for God, it stirs me. It challenges my heart when I see them making right decisions. I see them making uh, you know, uh, forward steps. Amen. The kingdom. There's something about that stirs us, doesn't it? It's a testimony. Paul talks about testimony in Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sins that so uh, easily ensnare us, let us uh, run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising his shame, and sits down at the right hand of God. Amen. We have no excuses when considering the price Jesus paid for you and I. When we consider the price Jesus paid, think about the cross, the blood, uh, all that he went through, we have not an excuse that will work. You know, when we live a proven Christian life, you have something to say. You know, when you know they're not living for God, you don't listen. Come on. When you know they're, they're undone, you're not listening. They might try to give you some good advice, even, but you're like, mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. Right? Come on. But if they have a proven Christian life, you have something to say. I say we order them around, but you have something to say. Uh, when you've got it together, when you're straightened out, uh, uh, where you're doing your best anyway, you have something to say. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. He had something to say. They knew that, listen, Paul wasn't just talking, but he was living what he was talking. And he said, imitate me, follow me as I follow Christ. They knew he was the real deal. Okay, I can get behind him, uh, and I can go to heaven, amen, by following his example. Can they get to heaven if they follow your example? Titus 2.7, all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. Let me ask you, what is your life speaking to other people? What does your life speak to other people? What do your convictions say to other people? Can they follow you around all day, do what you do, and feel good? Not being saved? Or they be going, nah. Show these other pictures. You've seen what we look like when we first come into the kingdom of God. Let's look like what we like, look like some years later. Keep going. Keep going. Get a little better. Keep going. You look a lot better. Got a motor there. Got some paint. Got some wheels. All right. Keep going. Look at that. Does that look completely different? I think got one or two more. I think that's it. So I go to his house. I've seen it before. And I'm, I'm shaking my head like, man, you bit off too much here, bro. There, there's no way. 
I've seen my dad restored a lot of cars, and uh, I know this is going to take some time. And, and he said, he says, you know, when you come to conference, I'm going to show you. So I go to conference, I, he takes me to his house, I see this truck, I, I'm shocked. But that's what God does. How many family members see you a couple years later and they're shocked by the change or the calling God's using your life, amen, in a ministry at or they come to church, they see you on the platform, they see you clapping your hands, raising your hands, and they're shocked. That's what God can do through a man or woman that's surrendered, uh, or a man or woman that says, you know what, I'm going to engage in what God is doing, I'm going to do my part. And I know God's done His part, the cross, His Word, the blood, the Spirit. Uh, I'm going to do my part. I'm not going to live by the world's standard, but I'm going to get transformed. I'm going to begin to live by God's standard. So let's close here. We come to the kingdom of God. We can all agree we're messed up. So people come in, they look all crazy-eyed. Uh, I'll watch them. I'll be honest with you. But I'm not condemning them. I, I'm watching them just, uh, uh, you know, just to watch them. You know, when they've watched me, I'm sure, when I first came to church. But I'm behind them as, as well. I'm behind, I want to see them change. I want to see them live for God. I'll do anything for them if they want to live for God. God takes us mess up, begins to restore us, uh, and makes something valuable out of us. That's always his goal. But listen, are we willing to change? That's always the, the bigger part. Are we willing to surrender one? Uh, are we willing to start making changes and do our part? And lastly... Listen, we're testimony, but would your testimony hold up in court? You know, a lot of court cases are lost simply because the testimony of the witness didn't hold water. Listen, does your testimony hold water? When you tell somebody, hey, I'm saved, I'm changed, God's changed, can they look at your life and your life prove it? Let's bow our heads tonight.